0: Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm talking to Michael Collins. He's the founder of SugarAddiction.com and the Quit Sugar Summit. He's the author of the best-selling book, The Last Resort Sugar Detox Guide, and is the past chairman of the board and current board member of Addiction Institute. He's been completely sugar-free for over 30 years and has worked closely with others to assist them as they overcome their sugar addictions. So, welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor.
0: It was, I, I'm really keen to talk to you because there is so much for me to learn on this topic. And I know how important it is, but I. Have not overcome my sugar addiction, so I'm I'm so curious to know more about this. So, but before we get into the whys and the hows of cutting out sugar, can you please just fill us in on your journey and what even led you to becoming sugar free?
1: So I uh, I think I grew up as a regular kid. I, I, I mean, I think we all thought that really, and you know, the, the, <laughs> I mean, it's like you know we're. I, in looking back, I mean, I kind of have dissected the story a lot, quite a bit. And uh, it starts out, uh, strangely enough, with my mother. My mother, uh, uh, sad story, her mom died when my grandma died when she was just eight years old. And as they, you know, had to move in with with her aunt and you know, the family kind of came together around her and they owned the country store across the way. So they, anytime that she walked over across the street at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, my grandfather made an arrangement that he could she could just get the candy, any kind she wanted, just give it to her. Don't even ask her for any money, just, you know, give her what she wants and let her send her on her way. So honestly, genuinely, my mom kind of grew up uh, and passed on to us this idea that sugar was love and that sugar was part of the fabric of childhood of something that you would give to a, you know, to make them happy and that kind of thing. And and so we had sugar everywhere all the time. She had a stash. We knew where it was, you know I mean? <laughs> I, mean the, I mean, maybe, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I've heard a lot of people can is that we've had literally unfettered access to the sugar bowl. We could put as much sugar on our cornflakes or Cheerios as we wanted and we ended up with literally a quarter or a half inch of sugar that we scraped up with the milk at the end Mm -hmm. and we would just literally eat it with the spoon with the milk it was crazy we made kool-aid with three times the recipe yeah there's a cool there's a cool video on uh, this is an important part of the turning point and of the story really is that there's a great video on youtube of eric clapton talking to 60 minutes and in it, Ed Bradley is 60 Minutes. Now, they're sitting in his six $7 million Antigua treatment center, uh, drug and alcohol treatment center. And Ed says, so, Eric, this uh, uh, addiction thing, it started with heroin, right? And uh, A- 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 Eric Clapton says, no, Ed, it started with sugar. Really? He yeah. He said, at five or six years old, I ate bread and butter and sugar sandwiches, and we ate those.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and he said, too. I ate...
1: Right? And mm-hmm. I ate them just just to change my state. Now, both him and I agree that um, we didn't know we were doing that. that wasn't like conscious, "Oh, I'm going to feel better because I ate this." And we just kind of did, and that's what children, when they're chasing the, the sweets, do. Well, fast forward, I mean, we went through an entire childhood of um uh, you know, candy sweets, anything you just can't even imagine the the cover-up of our family with sugar and sweets. My father was into it as well. So about 14 or 15, I ran into beer, right? And, and I knew that changed my state. I knew that changed how I felt. I was kind of shy. I could talk to girls. And we called it liquid courage. And so I would drink behind the high school and, and go to the dances and what have you. And so anyway, fast forward again till about 28. That party lasted till I was 28 and I got sober. And it's completely another podcast, but it's relative in that When I got sober, I went right back to sugar. And I didn't eat that much sugar during my partying days. But the bottom line was all the people that I hung out with in the recovery movement and the recovery rooms and the groups that I hung with, those folks were, they had literally done the same. Uh, They had substituted sugar for their alcohol or drugs. I mean, it's even recommended in some places uh, that, that, that you, yeah, that you, that you, eat a little extra sweet when you're trying to come off or whatever. I mean, it's in movies. It's in the big books of alcoholics. And it is a common construct. And it's a crazy one because people go crazy on sugar and, and caffeine and nicotine. And they, and they literally, they get diabetes diagnosis. You've heard of the freshman 15, right? You go to college. Yeah. Well, this is like the freshman 50 people gain weight fast. I mean, really, really fast. They gain weight. And so, I, you know, I was trying to be healthy. I mean, I really, I was trying to get healthy. so I, I read a book in that time period called Sugar Blues. And Sugar Blues was written by a guy named William Duffy. And Duffy um, was at a party one time and he, uh, he heard a voice from behind him. say He was putting two lumps of uh, sugar in his coffee and he hears, I wouldn't have that stuff in my house, let alone my body. And and he knew the voice. And he turns around, it's Gloria Swanson, the famous movie star. So they end up getting married. This is Duffy's third marriage. And uh, they promoted that book pretty heavily in the late 70s and early 80s. I read it in the early 80s. And it just caught me. I mean, it made sense to me. You know, I love the history lesson, the uh, picking up the, uh, the slaves in the West of Africa and then going to um, the, the Americas and the Caribbean and picking up the sugar and coming back and growing an empire that literally took over the world. I mean mm-hmm. the whole world on the backs of slavery and the price of sugar that they collected. So it was, I, I don't know how, it just kind of God, something tapped on my head and said, this is something I should do. And so at the time I was, I was married to a woman and somehow I talked her into having my children with no sugar, no flour, no caffeine while she was pregnant or in the womb and in the womb and until they were six years old, they never had sugar. And so wow, it was a
0: that's impressive.
1: Yeah. That was an experiment that I believe was successful. We can talk about that if you want. Um, I just believe the brain developed better. Right. Mm-hmm. And so over the years I had a regular life, a regular business career. The kids always said I should write a book about sugar. So when I was semi-retired about four or five years ago, I I, re, I decided that um, I was going to do that. And I wrote the book and, and I, and I put out the best about 10 years ago, I picked up the domain name sugaraddiction.com. And I gave the best information on the planet. I, I mean, the best cutting edge information, but you know, some people took it and ran with it. But for the most part, it wasn't till the book and, and four or five years ago, when I started really coaching and having these support groups online that people it really exploded and people started to get a lot of help and uh they started to get a lot of recovery and change and 100 pound weight losses and diabetes too and remission so it really in my world it's the it, the the answer or the, the secret sauce has always been the community and, and the new tribe that you join Hmm. Anyway, that's the short version of the podcast version. <laughs> it yeah. brings it brings up more questions than it answers, but that's how I got here and
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I um well, and and so you you have a lot of knowledge about sugar, which I would love to explore because I personally have had many lifestyle changes over the years, you know, related to what I consume. Um, most notably I gave up meat in the early two thousands and, um, and then just about two and a half years ago, I gave up alcohol as well. And, um, when I hear of people, even having gone through both of those transitions, which were, I would say, I mean, it's interesting. You talk about the, the community aspect, I think for me personally, um, with both of those, the social piece was the, the biggest hurdle to overcome. You know, oh, if I let go of meat, is it going to be awkward for people to have me over for dinner because I'm fussy, you know, and the same with alcohol. Like, nobody's who's mm. going to want to go out with me if I'm, you know, not drinking? Um, but when I hear people giving up sugar, I just feel like, oh, man, that's such a great thing to do. And I admire it, but I also feel so intimidated. Um, I associate Mm. with sugar with one, with treating myself and two, with it being everywhere. (laughs) Um, but I really recognize that I get into these cycles where I overdo it. You know, it's more than a treat. It's just like, what am I go to? And I'm thoughtlessly consuming it. You know, I'm not even really enjoying it. I'm just having it for, you know, a thoughtless, you know, I'm just grabbing it, um, but I, I think people have an overarching idea that sugar is harmful, but perhaps there's specific about, specifics around like the damaging nature of sugar that aren't as widely known. So I don't know if you want to share a bit about why people would even want to free themselves.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I want to uh, con- affirm to you that you are not alone. Uh, this is a very common. <laughs> I've probably done 100 podcasts. And mm-hmm. probably 30 or 40 of them were addiction recovery podcasts. Mm. But this
0: one was the best one, right? Yeah, this you is know, the best one. We're 10 minutes yeah. in. It's-
1: yeah, yeah, it's already <laughs> the best one.
0: Uh, thanks, Michael.
1: But, but, <laughs> but they, you know, half both podcasts, including the people that have been sober five and 10 and 15 years. Have said they, you know, they got me on because they wanted to talk about their own sugar, their own <laughs> sugar issues. You know, they're like, uh, and they were very honest, just like you. It was great. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the question is simple in that. I mean, people hear about this. They've heard about it for a long time. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, um, they think, or they, you know, thought maybe diabetes two is caused. We know a lot of the physical maladies that could possibly be caused by sugar. And you know now they're calling Alzheimer's diabetes three.
0: Oh, is that right? I didn't hear. Yeah,
1: that like it's wow. a common new because the uh, the percentage I can't remember the percentage like thirty or forty per, or no, it's like three or four hundred percent higher if you have diabetes that you will get Alzheimer's. So really? It's,
0: oh my God! Yeah, and
1: it's, wow. yeah, I, I my mother died of sugar addiction. She did not die of Alzheimer's. She had Alzheimer's, but she you know, near the end of her life, she really only wanted to eat sugar with no filter. She just wanted to eat sugar. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, I've dealt with addicts for 30 some odd years since I've been sober. And I know that she was, she just couldn't stop. I mean, Mm -hmm. we tried, but she just couldn't. But what's happened in the last five years is the interesting part. We've all known what the physical, now just for your audience, I'm sure they know, but some of them may not. That the sugar table, the mo- table sugar molecule is fifty percent fructose and fifty percent glucose. And, and what you're you talking have, about,
0: like refined processed sugar, refined white white
1: sugar. processed okay. sugar, correct? And what, what people know about what the glucose is doing to the body, they know that it's causing diabetes, to heart disease, and you know skin problems, and every everything you can uh, think of. But what they what is less known and was less researched up till just about five years ago, was that the fructose is really the offending molecule. The fructose is the the thing that uh, that can only be processed in the liver, and is causing fatty liver. We have an epidemic of fatty liver in five and six year olds. What? This is oh yeah. This is children. This is an alcoholics disease, and they are developing. And a lot of people who uh, come to us have fatty liver already pretty bad case of it and so they you know they're they're trying to figure out what's going on with their body and they can white knuckle it they can stop you know for a little bit but they always fall back there's it's so there's so much literature on this they once the cdc did a study on the 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 contestants of the biggest loser and all but one or two had gained all of their weight back oh, you're and then
0: kidding some, me oh my goodness yeah,
1: yeah. And, and this is common. Ninety-five percent, ninety-plus percent, and I think ninety-five percent of people who lose any amount of weight, which most diets are—you know—cut the white stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They all gain it all back, more than some, in the fir- and, and add some interest in the first year. And what we found is that the fructose. In the last five years, the science has come to believe, or you know, come to understand that the fructose is uh, is affecting our brain it's affecting our nucleus accumbens our dopamine serotonin norepinephrine, GABA even our adrenal glands and our uh, endorphins are all affected by sugar and so what happens and I'll bring you back to the Eric Clapton story I'll bring you back to the uh, you know the drinking before the high school dance and and the changing the state is what is happening is and this is what people this is what we've learned at the food addiction institute this is what we've learned is that Literally, we are changing our brain reward systems. We are changing how we reward ourselves. I love this quote I heard a little while back that the brain does not care how it gets its dopamine. Illicit drugs, illicit sex, gambling, it doesn't matter. It will get the dopamine one way or the other. And if it can get it as simply and as legally and as ethically and as morally as just having sugar, it's going to do that. Once mm-hmm. it's once it's acclimated to that, right? <laughs> and so this has been the discovery of a lifetime in that the 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 hard part even with the eating disorder people even with the nutritionists who think you should moderate and you should you know you're not well in the eating disorder world if you demonize one food it's just crap and here's the division here's the reason the reason is is sugar addiction is a substance use disorder it's a it's very akin to drug and alcohol use and that it is real, and it is powerful, and the only, the the way that you can do this without going through all the science or doing it yourself is just talk with anyone who's lost 100 or 200 pounds, fallen to a right-sized body, and maintained it for more than, you know, a year or two or longer. Those folks, when you talk to them, they don't talk about food, they don't talk about sugar, they don't talk about Nutrition or exercise. What they talk about is the exact same recovery that alcohol and drug addicts go through, which is the emotional recovery, which is the relearning how to deal with your emotions. And here's the here's the thing. I mean, if you are if you're knowledgeable in this area, it's a very common construct in the world of alcohol and drugs that if you started using alcohol and drugs when you were fourteen or fifteen years old, you uh, stop growing emotionally. Your life is a mess. Your relationships are a mess. Your finances are a mess. Your career is a mess and your relationships, everything is upside down because you don't, you have, don't have the emotional wherewithal, the emotional tools to deal with it. And that's what we find in the, in sugar addicts and, and people in, in that need substance use recovery, substance use disorder recovery. And that's this, and that's what the, per, the person who is successful focuses on. In all of our groups and anyone outside who's had success, that's what they focus on. Because anyone can white knuckle it and do it for a little while, but no one can do it long term unless they understand this piece of the puzzle. And I really like, and I appreciate you having me on because it takes a little bit of a setup to understand this entire arc, this entire story. We don't have a meat is murder, we don't have a friends don't let friends drive drunk, something that just magically in a soundbite appears and lets people understand what the real deep issue is uh, to the problem and that's the problem. And the fact that you can give it to a one-year-old with no ethical, moral, or legal obligations or worries is, is just a telltale. My mentor says that we are eight years into, I don't know where he gets this number from, but eight years into a 30-year tectonic shift, like condoms in bathrooms, drinking and driving, smoking in public places. Uh, this is a, a, a tectonic shift that only information and stories getting out like this on podcasts like this that are going to be able to change. All right. I'll get off my soapbox. I'm sorry. No, I, I appreciate I, I, it. I, I'm sorry. i, I hijacked your, Not your, at all. your, your podcast.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I asked you. I want to know. Like why why would why would people be inspired? So that's to do this, because like you say, it's it's sneaky. You know, it's it's a way we celebrate, even, you know, in in you know, birthday cakes, for example, or whatever. Um, so it's it is like um we have to be armed with the knowledge in order to even consider um going sugar free. It's like, well, why would we want to do that? And and actually as I'm saying that, sugar free, that makes me wonder about like the sugar free brands and things like that. Because are you is your are you are your thoughts more around like come into whole food? kind of eating because you, the sugar-free stuff was, I feel like it was really big years ago and it's not so big now, but I know there are still a lot of people, you know, I can think of a couple in my life where, you know, they they kind of still feel like they can eat whatever they want if it's labeled sugar-free because they're getting around something, but they're still going after the sweet stuff, but it's not processed sugar. I don't know if you have thoughts about that.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a, a, a minefield laden place It, it oh, it's really well, you don't a,
0: have to go into it if you don't want to well no I, i'd be happy
1: to it's like uh the gluten-free was big for a little bit
0: uh-huh. and
1: uh the sugar-free uh we took a wrong turn you know they took the fat out they say they demonized fat 20 or 30 years ago yeah, 40 similar years
0: ago now. thing yeah fat free yeah, demoni- sugar free,
1: and they started adding sugar you know mm. and then they went reverse field and they started taking the sugar out and they had sugar the the a lot of chemically kind of things the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the the artificial stuff and the bottom line is just a you know a quick lesson because i know we, we probably could i know i could talk about this stuff for hours <laughs> but the bottom line is that you know we like you said we move them towards whole foods mm-hmm. and and the outside of the grocery store vegetables and fruit and you know and seafood and meats and you know real whole food foods that um were not in a bag a box or a can now 75 to 85 percent of the the canned or bag or processor food boxed food has sugar in it and it's very sneaky like you said and so yeah i mean it's uh the the delineation of what a lot of people want to know what you can eat that's their main question what do i eat how do i exercise yeah because you know?
0: there's still like fruit fruit is full of sugar so is fruit still okay or like kombucha which is good for yeah. your gut but it's i think it's probably it yeah. has a lot of sugar in it i don't know
1: it does and alcohol occasionally even even when it says it doesn't it ferments the alcohol mm-hmm. but fruit is another uh <laughs> pandora's box if you will in that uh you know it's the fructose remember it's mm-hmm. the it's the, and uh fructose uh, people pronounce it differently but uh fructose is like a um a, a high fr- the fructose in fruit is very hybridized over the last 300 years like a little little bit of crab apple that you see out there or a little of those nasty berries you see that are wild or a banana you couldn't even eat it was contained so much seed so all these things have been frukted have been hybridized for fructose i mean let's look at a navel orange or a seedless grape these things could not re- reproduce in nature they have no seeds they've been created by man and they've been created for uh, you know for the sweetness for the fructose and remember up to just shy of, uh, you know, a th- five, four or 5,000 years ago, we d- ate very little uh, fructose. I mean, once a year maybe when a tree was ripe, and if you wanted to risk getting stung, maybe a little bit of honey, but that was it. Uh, all year, all year, hmm. no fructose, right? And so now here we are. We, what we have is a mismatched evolutionary body up against the processed food industry and the processed food world. And, you know, the stories are interesting. I mean, they came out of World War II, they were the K-ration suppliers for the troops. And they didn't have a job when the war ended. So they created the processed food world and the processed food industry. And now there's very little in this generation, these last two generations, who understand that before that, there was no obesity. Before that, there was very little diabetes. Before this, that you know, that people ate whole food. And so it's an easy, I always believe that you can't get out of this problem until you figure out how you got in it. And I love the evolutionary stories, like I told you, the slavery story. And so the, you know, the answer to this is to study how we got here and to study how we can get out and how we, you know, what, what turns we took in the wrong places, both societally, As a society and individually, so yeah, it's a. Again, it's it's hard to it's even hard to get the whole story in in an hour or so. But it's really it's an interesting story that has some depth to it.
0: Right, but if you if you were to just say like, generally, I mean, is fruit kind of even though it does have fructose. You would Because it is a whole food, is it still sort of like, can you still consider yourself sugar-free if you're having things like fruit or in your opinion?
1: So we've done thousands, you know, uh, in person and individually and bordering on tens of thousands of one-on-one sugar detoxes and starting people on the process. And what we found is that, in the early days, um, large amounts of fruit will lead you back to processed sugar
0: okay
1: because of the fructose. so what we suggest is that for the first ninety days, you cut way back on the fruit uh, we We think that a little bit of the berries which are low glycemic and not really that much lower in fructose but lower glycemic and just a few berries for the sweetness as you transition mm-hmm. and then trying to at least 30 days without, and then see what the effects are. Mm-hmm. And the reason is <clears throat> my job I see is to get you off the white process stuff, to get you off the, the, the drugs, basically mm-hmm. short, short answer to that, but the, to get you off the drugs. And once I get you off the drugs, then at 90 days, it's probably the best um, bellwether uh, kind of, place where you're clean your body is clean don't have any drugs then test one thing at a time meaning fruit or grains or um, dairy or nuts and nut butter we call them bridge foods or uh, so people use them in varying degrees as they detox and then can use them after their detox over the long period but some people can't use those four things they just can't they're biochemically they can't process them and they get cravings muscle memory if you will emotional memory whatever it is for the process stuff and it leads them back to the process stuff um so it's a, not that it's complex but you know genius is only pattern recognition and we've just been able to see it over and over and over and over again that people have the same reoccurring issues and a lot of it revolves around the fruit to be honest with you and i and i i get a lot of pushback on that I get a lot of hate email, yeah. or, 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 uh, but uh, there's a great video on YouTube that kind of explains this. Gary Fetke, Dr. Gary Fetke, F E T T K E. It says, Is fruit good for you? And basically, about, I don't know, 40 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, it used to be the green grocer. And now some marketing campaign made it fruits and vegetables, right? And somehow combined the two. When in reality, uh, that amount, like you can't, like fruit A glass of orange juice, organic pure, is the driven snow will hit the liver exactly like a Coca Cola. The fructose amount are not different, and and it's the liver and the the inability to process fructose. Now there's actually like diseases, fructose intolerance, fructose malabsorption. Uh, You can take a breath test and you can buy it on Amazon. Very simple, but this is not very well known, but it's, it's hard to diagnose. And, you know, I think di or uh, we call it IBS and a lot of gastrointestinal distress is caused by fructose undiagnosed um, IBS undiagnosed uh, fructose malabsorption. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, forget about the powdered fructose. That's like a given. But I think people, because it, you know, is this hybridized uh, fruit that seems normal and natural, that it is a, an okay thing. And I, I don't usually go down this rabbit hole on podcasts because, um, you know, it 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 seem, in my work, Kara, I have to literally. Oh, not trick, but I have to get people in the middle of it. I have to get them in through the detox process while I educate them on what can help them get out the other side of ninety days and then be able to test their own body. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I tell people that, you know, they may have to give up fruit along with the sugar, they're like, forget it. That guy's a, a nutcase. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. And, and I've had,
1: and I've had that a lot and I'm like, but my hundreds and hundreds of success stories will tell you that they fought me tooth and nail Yeah. <laughs> but when they gave up the sugar. I mean, when they gave up, the the large amounts of fruit. Now again, some people can ingest a little
0: bit of fruit and it's no
1: problem. And I, and but you I, need and to get cool. through
0: that detox part, and that's yeah. that's interesting because one of the things I read with regards to your work is about you know the seven, ten, twenty, one, thirty day detoxes, yeah. and how that can actually make cravings for sugar worse. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're talking about a ninety day de- detox, and and so I'm. I'm really curious about, like, is that what it takes to like completely rid your body of of the sugar, so that you can, and the importance of that, like, of the not taking and the little by little approach, how mm-hmm. you really want to have that clean break from it, what the advantages are for that approach as well.
1: Yeah, no, good question. What we find is that the uh, physical cravings dissipate at about 60 or 90 days they're, they're not as loud they're not yelling they're not you know cravings is an interesting constellation of things it's like you want it on your tongue you want it in your stomach you want it in your brain you're thinking about it, ocd kind of thinking about it you know car turns into 7-eleven you didn't even plan you know crazy stuff happens and that kind of that physical part subsides uh, at about 60 or 90 days almost completely so you're not real. you have time you're like Oh, I'd like that. And then you say, no, I've got 64 days. I'm not going to, you know, it's not unconscious or it's not, um, you know, just automatic. So, but that said, the 90 to 365 part of the program is like, this is where the mental game comes in. This is where I tell you about the biggest loser. This is where, where, you know, you have now got to handle your emotional life, right? you've got if a stress or a divorce or a financial or a job or whatever relationship thing comes up. Now you have the muscle memory to go back to the sugar to comfort you. I mean, when was the last time you saw a movie where a woman broke up with a guy or got dumped by a guy and didn't have an ice cream.
0: Park, I know. Right? I knew you were going to say ice cream. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. It's, I mean, it's really, just, the, yeah. it's like, it's common lore in culture that this is a, a you know, they call it comfort food, right? Mm-hmm. And it's comfort food for a reason because it numbs you out. It hits the dopamine. It, it, it just gives you the thing that normally takes um, like effort, like in order to get dopamine, normally you have to exercise or do something, get a hug, you know, get a massage, watch a sunset, a lot of different things. So that will give you some dopamine, but when it's so automatic and so easy to, to quell your emotional life, to to literally manipulate or um, your your emotions with a, a substance that's so almost free and so ubiquitous that you can get it anywhere, pretty close to zero cost. You know, you can always score some. I hate hate the drug <laughs> analogy, but you can always score some in the cupboard. Some you know, yeah. like eat, have a bread and butter sugar sandwich if there's nothing around. You know, mm. but anyway, I mean, it's that again. The the whole time to set up the 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 information about it and the people even the people in drug and alcohol recovery i have coaches now that are five and ten twenty years sober that they couldn't put this piece of it together that they needed to understand that their emotional life was what's keeping them on the sugar not the sugar not the sweetness not the taste none of that had anything to do with it it really was this emotional um, analgesic if you will this ability to manage a stressful situation, uh, till the next day. I mean, it's still there the next day. The problem is not going to go away, but the feeling goes away for a little while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that brings up your whole, the whole, everything you're talking about with regard to the emotion. Um, just, I think that brings up also just the distractions that we give ourselves across the board you know where we're we're doling ourselves, and that can be binging on you know Netflix or you know I mean or shopping or whatever. Sure. But if we do, it, part of this is just becoming conscious of this behavior of like I'm trying to dole something, and you know so listeners of this podcast are are um, meditators or interested in learning more about meditation, and I think that that's one of the things that um a meditation practice, for example, that can be one of those tools that can be helpful in overcoming some of those emotional things when we realize, because it may be something obvious, like a breakup, like in the example that you gave, where, you know, we're feeling some sort of imbalance because of an event that happened. And a lot of people are just filling a hole, and they don't know how to do it productively. So they're they're becoming distracted by
1: eating mm. sugar
0: thoughtlessly, for example, or drinking or the other examples that I gave that you may not even realize that you're doing. Um, but things like meditation, spending time in nature, these kind of things can be can be healthy ways to sort of work on that emotional piece and, and gain that um, equilibrium. Um, body, mind, and spirit that can really help us to, to get to the, one of the underlying issues that might be coming out as eating a lot of sugar, for example.
1: Mm. Oh, I agree 100%. It's you know, part of our program to direct people towards self-care. And, that, and definitely right. meditation and yoga and those things are definitely part of the self-care process. Yeah. And, and journaling as well so they get yeah. to know they can separate the food from the actual what's actually going on That it's not just a blind craving it's usually and that's when the people have the most success when they have that awareness that i always call it that zen like awareness where you can raise above your body and say to yourself you know do i really need this what do i really want which yeah. is usually something very different than a sweet treat it's usually something that is. Um, you know emotionally based like you need a hug or you need a you know you need a real husband or you need whatever it is you know you need something that's different than uh, uh, than a treat and that's the I don't even like to use the word treat anymore because I think that's where we got sidetracked a little bit over the last 300 years it's been incorporated into everything but yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, and any self-care practice, and I call it practice, gratitude practice, prayer practice, meditation practice, you know, we don't try and uh, tell people about whatever their spiritual practices are, or their self-care practices, because people have differing things, but... Right. It's a, uh, it is one of the core video, four core videos. It's one of the core lessons is, is this, and this one of the, another one is you mentioned it right at the beginning of the podcast, never got to say anything about it is this social piece, mm. you know, it both are uh, completely outside of what you're eating completely outside of what, you know, the diet is, which is what people always think they need, but it's the, you know, the, you know, My friends are going to think I'm weird, I'm too fussy, blah, 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 that social piece. And I've had people literally, one woman told me a story with a woman, she'd been 66 days or something and her friend's husband passed and they went out to lunch a couple weeks later and she just couldn't tell her. She couldn't bring the conversation up when she wanted to have a piece of pie. He just had the pie with her because she didn't want to, you know, impose her, you know. And those are the the kind of things that people need to get past and and uh, and be able to. And and people always think this is a trite saying. A lot of people, until we get them into it, but the that the journey is inward, right? And so they're they're trying. I'm trying to get them to do some of the practices that you're describing, um, as opposed to using a substance to manage their emotions.
0: Yeah. And I love you. I love how you talk about that Zen state and kind of almost going above and like, what, okay, let me think about what I, instead of just doing it and eating it and then, Mm. um, but actually considering what you're trying, why are you wanting it? Um, And 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 something along with that that I have noticed when I, when I have noticed that I have overdone it and I'm like, I really need to rein this in because I'm just like grabbing whatever and, Um, but it's also noting the fleetingness of it, Mm. where it's like, I only get the chance to enjoy this for a few seconds. You know, every Mm. bite is just a few seconds. If even that's, if I'm paying attention, if that's, if I'm really enjoying it, but how often are we just doing it? And it's like filling something, but we're not even paying attention to it, but it's like, I only get to taste it. For like such a short time, and, but it takes forever to like process its way through and then, um, you know, affect my blood sugar and affect like my concentration and, and so forth. And so if we can be, you know, bring that mindfulness to it and like, what am I trying to do? And let me be realistic about what I'm actually going to get out of this. <laughs> what, the actual pleasure that I'm going to get is, is mm. negligible.
1: <laughs> you know? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you get to be an adult, you're really just fighting off withdrawals. That's mm-hmm. really the bottom line. The ingestation is like a cocaine addict, like it, it only gives respite for uh, a few minutes, a few seconds, even like you're saying, and then you're right back to chasing it. Mm-hmm. And the first buzz of the day, the first coffee or the first pastry or whatever, that's a little more satisfying because you're, you know, your adrenals and everything, you got to rest overnight. Other than that, you're just chasing off the, chasing back the withdrawals, just to make sure. Because what we found is, in the first three to seven days, if you were on flour, sugar, and caffeine, you quit them all at the same time, and you're any, you know, if you're just an adult, you know, past 20 years old, you you are incapacitated about day three or four. It's just really, really hard, mm. and so people are not really eating like you say for pleasure anymore they're eating to stop the withdrawal period because they got kids they got a meeting they got things to do they can't have a headache they can't be angry and hangry and lonely and tired and depressed because you get literally physically depressed because your dopamine receptors in science they call it this is the one of the huge breakthroughs down regulated thinned out you have less of them um, when you come in with a big habit And it's not even clear yet whether or not they regenerate, but what is clear is that if you eat whole foods and you exercise and hydrate well, that you do come back to a nice homeostasis, but you know, it's the, it's, it's takes some work. It takes some work. It it, it actually takes work,
0: you know? Yeah. Well, I'm fascinated with the fact that you raised your kids sugar-free. You mentioned this earlier. Um, Mm. and I really admire this. I have two kids myself. Um, a 13 year old and a 10 year old and mm. i of course they love sugar <laughs> and um i don't know if you have tips on how to raise kids with no sugar or reduced sugar environment no, you you must you did it but if you're coming in and they've already developed these habits like i like mine
1: <laughs> you know it's a completely separate group like i firmly believe that kids don't go to the grocery store at three or four they, they, they don't aren't, we, they were relying on us 110% to get fed. And so if they haven't started, that's the best way to do it. You know, the best, um, and in the womb is even better, I think, because it will pass the placental barrier and it will, you know, they, they're already doing studies on the dopamine and all that kind of stuff. Though so it's like some great new books have come out in the last couple of weeks, literally weeks of this year. And so, you know, it's 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 happening in that regard. But as far as when say past six or seven, uh, it's another ball game, and you just have to treat them like adults. And the main thing is, is the, what the airlines say: you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. They, they they are smart. You know, my we knew where my mother's stash was. We knew everything. You know, she wasn't getting over on any. You know, said so, no, you can't have any more candy. But we knew she was sneaking it. You know, <laughs> so you have you really have to figure out like what your priorities are. And then we have a coach who's very successful with her nine-year-old daughter. And I think she's probably 10 by now, a 10-year-old daughter who uh, uh, now she just talked to her, talks to her like an adult. And like when she comes back from a birthday party, she says, I have a tummy ache and he says, well, you know, it's probably sugar. And so they talk reasonable, but she quit sugar first. And this woman's mother owns a bakery. So the grandma owns a bakery and she's not on board. And she's not like she still brings treats for the husband and the daughter, like a pain, you know. And so, mm-hmm. and, uh, and she was successful at it. So it is possible. It is doable. It's really the fastest growing thing we ever did on Facebook was put up a little sugar-free kids uh, page and group. And, you know, it just popped to 500 people in about, I don't know, a couple of months. Yeah. And so I don't I don't have much time for it, but I do want to lower the demographics to this because – You know, currently it's people who have had enough time in life or old enough to know that, um, you know, it's the weight gain and it's all the other stuff. But, yeah, the kids and and that stuff is really important for me. Um, And I think it's the most the best advice I can give is put your own oxygen mask on first. And make it. You know, you got to do it together. Is so it? They want to do be like mom. They don't want to be like anybody else. They 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 may say that effort, especially at ten and thirty, especially at thirteen. Yeah. But but they still they you know they're they're going to be, they're they're going to follow you. They will. I guarantee it.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting what they learn on their own. You know, through mm-hmm. because they have nutrition as part of their curriculum at certain times of the year, and so my son. Just said a few weeks ago he was like mama um is this brown rice and I was like <laughs> no it's white and he said well why don't we eat brown rice and I said well I used to try to get you to eat brown rice and then you, you know you guys wouldn't eat it and so I just got wow. into this habit of making white rice and um and but it it did trigger I was like oh he's open it, but of course you know like I haven't I'm in such a habit that I didn't mm. even think about it and I'm like oh I should try brown rice and I did and he he ate it and I said oh it's brown rice you know and he was like mm, tastes the same and uh, yeah so I was like okay I've got a little
1: steps little yeah steps.
0: it's like just to be on the lookout for these like okay just because they've they were, you know, a certain way, they, they have a broader sense now on their own too. And they may be more open to just the importance of health as well. So Mm -hmm. habit comes into it as a parent as well, for sure.
1: Oh yeah. Kids are smart, you know, they're, they're very smart, but I do want to, you know, get the next generation because kids are kids can be mean, not intentionally, but when a child is overweight, it's really hard on them. Very hard. And, When I was a kid, there wasn't literally no overweight kids. Maybe Mm -hmm. one or two in the high school, Mm -hmm. big high school too. And so, but now it's really it's kind of rough, and and it's it has to do with the parents' uh, feeding protocol, and they don't know. uh, Mm -hmm. They came up through the same ranks, and they don't have a a, a a firm grasp on what is healthy and what's not. Right. Yeah. and they're influenced by marketing obviously.
0: Mhm. Of course. So you mentioned about the social aspect of it and and as we come to a close here I wondered if you had any any tips on how to avoid sugar when you're out in the wild like mm. at, a, at a social gathering or you know assuming yeah. we have those again at some point.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I think one worry that people, and you, I think you had it, and I, and I know others have it, everyone almost has it at the beginning, is that uh, you'll feel or you'll seem antisocial when you can't have a piece of wedding cake or whatever, you know, to, to refuse the wedding cake. Um, so it goes through an interesting arc, actually. So at the beginning, you feel really paranoid that somebody's going to be worried about what you're going to have. You know? But that actually dissipates pretty rapidly after you get you know a few days in and you stick with it and the best part is that you need to have another tribe because the tribe out there the the most of the country in the world um is not going to understand so you need to have a separate tribe uh, a separate group of people that you hang with you can call text get online with that's the the real magic of it all in addition to that you need to have like a um what happens in the arc is basically you end up having um you get to the point where people, your your close relatives, first they're like, Oh, she's weird again, she's gonna have another diet, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Then they they start bragging on you, they start oh no she doesn't have sugar like they start helping you and then on the other side they're bragging about you like she no sugar you know they're, yeah. they're like they're, then they become your fans because they're amazed that you stuck with it number one because you never stuck with anything before not you personally but yeah. people that are on diets they they have they come in with a little bit of a credibility issue because they've started something new diet wise you know for every year for 10 years yeah and so when they do this one i tell them at the beginning don't tell anybody just talk to us about it for a while until you get some time under your belt. And for the last thing you'd want to do is don't start being a preacher about it until, yeah. maybe never, but don't don't start like uh, trying to convince your family about it. Don't change your spouse right now or your kids right now. Just get yourself, uh, you know, off the stuff. Yeah. It's a, it, it is an inter- it's a very important part of the puzzle too. Most people fall back because of that one. Swear mm. to God, it's really yeah. weird.
0: Yeah, I believe it. And, you know, it is a bit of a, it's a, I was going to say it's a lifestyle change. And it and it is, um, but it it's a habit change as much as anything, yeah. which is, uh, and it's, and when you bring that social element in, it's not just your habit. I mean, this is the same thing that I've been through as I've given up, as I mentioned, you know, the meat and the alcohol, it's like. Yeah, it's it's a habit for the people I interact with where, you know, they also, you know, they make adjustments. But one of the big things with that is understanding who you're living your life for as well Mm -hmm. and not putting, um, you know, if you're trying to do something to better yourself, give yourself the freedom to explore that and live your life for you to do the very best that you can. And, And this would be a beautiful way to do that.
1: So are your husband and your kids still meat eaters?
0: My husband gave up meat about two and a half years ago. um, And my kids, uh, no, they eat meat. Yeah, they still eat meat. My daughter went through a phase where she was telling her teachers at school that she didn't eat meat because she didn't like what they were serving. (laughs) And uh, so they were... Yeah, so they were like, uh, this was actually in Italy. They were like, if you want her to be vegetarian, you need a doctor's note. And I was like, she's not vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> and then I talked to her about it. She's like, I really don't like the, the meat that they serve. So anyway.
1: So she's smart.
0: There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But well, thank you so much for coming on and just giving all of this really insightful information. Um, how, what are the the best first steps? If anybody is interested in, in cutting sugar out, what would be um, the best ways for them to engage with your work?
1: Yeah, the best thing is to go to sugaraddiction.com. And there's a big picture of a yellow book that says the last resort sugar detox we've taking it off. Well, it's still on Amazon, but if you want a paperback, but you get a free copy of it at the website and uh, you know, just download it, take a look, see what you think. If uh, this is something that you want to entertain, you know, we have, we'll send you a couple emails about it. We have a challenge. We have a 30 day challenge, which is really cool where people, um, you know, they band together. We have zoom meetings. We've got 10,000 people in a, in a, in a Facebook group, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty big now. And so folks are, and we have a lot of you know from one day to five years kind of people in the group so it's 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 a new tribe you, you got to think about it as one of the things i find and i'll let you go but the, uh, i find the people that get success are pioneers they like with the social piece and other things they don't really care what others are are thinking of them they they are willing to go against the grain to join another tribe they probably the first one that went to college and you know they might even be the best mechanic in their town or the best athlete or something they're they've had success in other realms in their life and so they are okay with like okay i've done my research um you know gained two pounds a year for the last 10 years and i need to change and then they they get their information and they join another tribe and it works out for them so because right now we're still early adopters as they say in the tech world we're we're the you're gonna be in the minority for a time. But this is the right side of history. This is not going unnoticed. This is gonna happen. Twenty years hundred years from now, fifty years from now they're gonna say, you know, they used to give sugar to kids, right? Mm,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's gonna
1: it's gonna be an adult treat for sure.
0: Okay. Huh. Yeah. That's fascinating. Mm. Well, beautiful. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And uh, and thank you for being with me here today. It was so well, nice thanks for to having meet me. You. I enjoyed
1: it. That was great. Always nice to meet somebody out there, kind of open-minded, if you will.
0: Yes, likewise. Thank you. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to Michael Collins. If you're interested in escaping from the clutches of sugar, check out his website at sugaraddiction.com. And his book, which he mentioned, is on the website for free is the last sugar resort, sorry the last resort sugar detox guide. And um, feel free to share, pass this episode along and if you're an Apple user, you can rate and review the podcast. That's really helpful. and I appreciate your support and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.